like scary stories, if you like tasty beers, open up your mouth holes and open up your ears for... Are you are you going to start us off awful? What are you doing? Well, what has happened? Well, oh, starting us off off. You mean the king of the podcast? Today, no, I no, told you. Off. I, I said with no today. I I immediately said no. Immediately no. Immediately it doesn't matter no. because it, it, it I was christened by <laughs> one of the one of the queens of the podcast. So now, as king of the podcast today, allow me to to regale you with a story that has a lot to chew on, if I may. Oh no! All right, a woman. Who had oh, no. five pit bull puppies cloned in South Korea what? is oh, wanted shit. in Tennessee on burglary charges, lawyers there said today. Joyce McKinney, 58, was accused of telling a 15-year-old boy to burgle a house to raise cash to buy a false leg for a horse. She fled Britain. This is Mad Libs. This is not real news. She fled this is Britain a Mad Libs. She fled Britain in 1977 to avoid trial for allegedly abducting a Mormon missionary and making him her sex slave. Wait, wait. <laughs> what? There's I, so much to unpack. I so have in there. It's delicious. I have so many questions. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. Cloning pit bulls in Korea. Korea. Five pit bulls in South Korea. Yes. Okay. Is it one print of the same pit bull or five clones, ten pit bulls total? My suspicion is is that it is one pit bull cloned five times. Okay. So she's trying to make a cloned pit bull army. Yes, but uh, I will admit there is some ambiguity in the language there. So right. yes. Knows? Okay. Yes. So did she bring said pit bulls to the United States? Or? It, that, look, th- this is how much I got here, right? Oh, okay. Like it's, it's a, a very, very small article. article. Yeah. Uh, I right, right demand above. An- look, King, present us with answers. You want to rule over us? Give give your your minions what they need. No, no, no. My subjects must provide the content. I simply make the decrees. Quit whining. <laughs> okay, <laughs> absolutely not. So, Never. so she she's cloned five pit bulls. Yes. Okay. Then, so she's like, this is my favorite a number one pit bull. Yes. This dog is indeed Mister Worldwide. Yes. And so I have made five of him, and now there are misters worldwide. Correct. Right. Messers. Like now, brothers-in-law. Now, That's how you pluralize that. Now, now she the, after after procuring said five pit bulls, she goes to Tennessee. Yes. Where she's, she's accused of telling a 15-year-old boy to burgle a house to raise cash to buy a false leg for a horse. Again, I have so many questions. What questions can I answer? Is what? she from Tennessee? No, no, because she, Brit- she, fled she fled Britain, Britain. in the 70s. So she's British. Oh, oh yes. okay. Okay, I like these answers. So she's Do we an know illegal. Why she was, was she in boy. Tennessee specifically to burgle this house? Follow up, why? So she wanted to procure cashito. But, yeah. Because she also Yes, yes, now but has like, a- is this like the Tennessee House of Gold bullion? Like, what is it? Is this is this Graceland? Oi, what is boy, happening here? My, my horse needs a false leg. I need to go in there and burgle that house. And if you don't do it, I'm going to sick my five pit bulls on you. I mean, I understand she probably, she's an animal lover. Clearly. <laughs> she had spent all her money on making misters worldwide. Yep, misters worldwide. And so she had no money left when her horse lost a leg. Right. I assume to making horse sliders like Dwight Schrute did on The Office. 100%. And... And now she needed money for that. And she thought, there's no laws in Tennessee based on what I see in British media. Right. So that's where I shall go. So, this but, is but a if, land of opportunity from what I have come but, to understand. But she knows for a fact. She's like, well, I am wanted in England. So I personally cannot do the yes. burglary myself because I do not want to I will risk be getting deported. Sus- immediately yes. I will be under suspicion. So let me convince a dumb-dumb boy. Yes. Yeah. Also, in my mind's eye, now that you're doing this voice, this is Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Who's doing all of this. So so then she's arrested, but but this is not her first run-in with the law. Yes. Because in England in the 70s... I enjoy a nice Mormon boy in order for... for she s- oh, I forgot that he was a Mormon boy Mormon. in Tennessee. Yes. You know, this poor boy was on like his... What are they called? His little... Um, his mission. His mission. His He's mission. too young for a mission. Yes. And and now she, he has to fuck her missionary. You see what I did there? Oh, I think he was trying to fuck her missionary 
and that's why he did the burglar. I moved to Tennessee so I could raw dog oh. cowgirl him. Oh, I was just talking about the mission boy that she doesn't that matter. Vessa <laughs> almost threw up. She yeah. made like the face. <laughs> so gross. Okay. So she she loves breaking the law. This is what I've learned. She loves having sex. She loves Mormon boys. She loves horses and misters worldwide. There's that. She's probably a member. Of, what's that group? The like Animal Liberation League or whatever. Those people who Pina? like. Yes, I was a big. I was a. I was a founding member. Of, of those people who like do all the violence against people because they're like animals above everything. Speaking of founding member, member Mormon boy, please get down on the bed in your magic underwear, otherwise I can't finish. Oh jeez. <laughs> no soaking for you. No soaking. Someone jump on this bed. He's being quite. He's being quite obtuse and refusing to thrust with appropriate vigor. It's it's the Mrs. Doubtfire visual that's doing it to me. Is that you what's know? doing it for you? Well, I did it's leave also, Britain in the 70s, also, so, so you know I'm a bit older. So now I'm picturing Mrs. Doubtfire, raw-dogging cowgirl style, a <laughs> poor little missionary Mormon boy, whilst five identical pit bulls watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then she is somehow horse limping along in the background. Five horny-ass pit bulls. And then she has recorded this in a circle hump and has shown this to the 15 year old boy in Tennessee being like, this is what I will do to you if you yes. rob this house so I can fix my horse. My horse is, is yeah. quite damaged to see. Oh, I mean, I bet you that's on OnlyFans. I'm just saying. Top oh, 1%. You know? Oh, my God. On OnlyFans. Speaking, speaking of the top 1%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. I was trying to find a way to make it not gross. I, and I did. I came through. You did. You did. Welcome to the Booze and Brews podcast. We're the podcast where we tell each other ghost stories. Yeah, we drink thematically appropriate beer. And podcast mom coming along, saving the podcast, finding the one part of that story that doesn't make us... Grossos! Yeah, super grossos. <sighs> A, a uh, king of the I, podcast. To, to be fair, that was a good cold open. I will give beer. you that. You yeah. know what? That was good. That was much better than mine. So that's why I'm king of the podcast today. <laughs> Absolutely not. Paren today. No. Ah uh, no. no. We are not. I mean, are we talking? We're gonna Rob have a January sixth situation if this is happening, guys. We're gonna we're gonna have a coup d'état. Yeah. Uh no, I don't think, to my knowledge, we are not talking about raw dog cow reverse cowgirling in this week's episode. Uh no, sadly, sadly, none no. of that in my story this week. Yeah, mine either. So, now this week we uh we have selected another random beer. Yes, which so comes I, to us from I, Fancy Tuna. Tuna bought some beer at Costco. Fucking Costco because because that's Cheap. where I went recently, and it's a Mexican beer company that's based in Salt Lake City. Seems like so it's Utah beer, but it's called Zulpez Beer Company. And the pack I bought had a golden ale and an IPA. So we're drinking the IPA today. It is a Mexican style craft beer with mango, lemon peel, and natural flavor. Natural flavor. It's, it's super yums. Uh, and we said, all right, haunted Mexico. Mexico. Low hanging fruit. There we fruit. go. You know what? I it was it was late. We were tired last week when we were selecting the episode. And, Engineer Bob and had like, shit to do. It's a there's lots of good stories left there. I think. Well, and there's many also more Mexican caves to explore. I mean, and podcast mom speaks Spanish, and so she can she can sound awesome, and I can embarrass myself. Both of which are like tent poles of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It really it falls into our wheelhouse. Yes. It does. Yes, it does. Um, so, so friend, please. Reveal. Oh, I'm up first. You are up first. I, we, have, we have now timed it. The person who supplies the beer is the one that goes first. Oh, my God. Now you've ruined it. Now I'll always know. Now I'll you never have to ask know. you. Yeah. You know what? It's about time you learn. I, I finally have led. How you. dare you? I refuse to rely on myself for this. I, I'm an adult, but I refuse to adult in this circumstance. In this specific sense. I did a lot of adulting this week. I did my taxes this week, guys. Oh, that's supreme That adulting. was a big fucking to-do, and I did it, and I finished them. Yay me. Yay you. And I rewarded myself with this haunted tale of the sacred cenote, otherwise known as the well of sacrifice. Yes. Oh, this... 
This is right up your alley. Yeah, so I have spoken about other haunted cenotes in Mexico before. This is a different one. Oh, okay. We're not, this is not a repeat. This is a different one. I did think I talked about it on Patreon. Nonetheless, this is a different one. This one is at one of the biggest Mexican tourist hotspots. Cancun? In the Yucatan Peninsula. It's very adjacent to Cancun. It is the ruins of Chichen Itza. Ah, Chichen Itza. Mm, Yes. Yes. Uh, which is a gorgeous, uh, it's like the ruins of a Mayan city, which everything from that time period, they, they seem to just classify it as pre-Columbian. Okay. Yep. Pre-Columbus. Yeah, pre-Columbus. So it's basically like everything pre-Columbus and after Columbus. Because after Columbus, it was all like conquistadors and then America coming down and taking shit. Yeah. So it was yeah. before. So it was when they were just killing each other. It was before other people came in to kill them all. Oh, Got great, it. great, great, great. So that's where we are. So uh, Chichen Itza is um, is like a, a flagship of the Yucatan Peninsula within the Mayan age. Mm-hmm. So it was like a probably a capital city, like not the capital, but like one of the capital cities right um uh they it was uh hit its like peak of popularity probably between somewhere around 600 ad to somewhere around 11 or 12 ad they had 600 years of kicking ass of kicking ass yeah kicking ass killing themselves human sacrifices We're going to get to it. Oh, delicious. (laughs) Of course we are. So it's considered one of the great cities of the Mayan people. It was uh, incredibly culturally and ethnically diverse. It was a very wealthy city. They found a lot of shit there that like from all other parts of of, uh, North America. So like they obviously had great trade and they had money to buy expensive things that didn't exist there. Mm Um, it was also like probably a cultural tentpole for the area. And there's lots of people who think, because at this time in the Mayan Peninsula, the Yucatan Peninsula, the Mayan culture, it was run by like great, one great leading family, like a one, like a king, a ruler, and then his progeny, okay. you know? Yeah. So they think Chichen Itza might have been run by a council of rich, famous white dudes and not one specific oh. rich, hmm. famous white dude. Which would be a, like a big difference. Yeah. So it's kind of a more accepting, diverse city than right. even its like contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Um, they think at its peak it had around fifty thousand people. Okay. And it encompassed three hundred hectares. Oh, okay. Oh, one of my favorite measurements. Don't ask me what that means. I didn't look it up. It's fine. It's it's large. It's yeah, it's, it's a big, a, it's a big, big city. Yes. Um. So what we have now, the like ruins of Chichen Itza, is kind of think like if like Washington D.C. was abandoned for a thousand years. Yeah. And then all that was left was like the ruins of the Great Mall. Okay. So like there was a huge big city around it, but like what people go visit right now is like the little important part right in the middle. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They just say um, hi to Washington Monument, make a dick joke leave yeah exactly gotcha. like like if new york went away and it was just and, the statue of Liberty. and it was just times square or something you know yeah got it um so chichen means mouth or edge okay plus well so cheech is like mouth or edge and in is like uh well or okay. gathering of water that kind of thing mm-hmm. And Itza was a group that held a lot of political power within that area, specifically within that city, obviously. All right. But they weren't just normal politicians. No? These motherfuckers were sorcerers. Oh, Ooh. I was going to go cannibals. I like sorcerers much better. I thought you were going to say it was a sex cult, but I'll take sorcerers. I mean, probably. Room for interpretation. Their magics are orgasms. Tell us no. more. Oh, so eats means sorcerer and ha means water. So they were like, sorcerer. they were called oh. the enchanters of water or like makers of magic water. Ooh, I like it. So this is a city built on dudes who have water magic. Nice. So nice. of course, it, it the city's center has four pretty large cenotes, which are large, uh, like they're basically sinkholes that are full of fresh water, mm-hmm. which is a huge deal because there aren't really a lot of like rivers or lakes in that part of Mexico. Yeah. So it's kind of the only way to have access to fresh drinking water. Okay. Um, and there are four big ones on this property, and they kind of. Uh, roughly 
break down into a north, south, east, west. Oh, okay. okay. Like they're sort of like right on a design. And like very recently, like 2015, 2018, Ooh, okay. are uh, like uh, people have discovered there's actually a fifth cenote that is directly in the center it's directly under the main pyramid so like when you think of chichen itza that one big ass pyramid yeah it's directly underneath that and like when people started abandoning the city they bricked it it they like walled it up oh so they wasn't accessible so they just found it and have like started to go down and explore oh don't do that there's a reason they fucking bricked it up the water sorcerer is called forth a spirit of fluids too powerful yeah, for I even them like, to contain. Yeah, this feels like how you start a game of Jumanji, you know? Yeah, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's oh, if something's closed up for thousands of years, don't fucking reopen it. But yeah. we love it. We They keep, closed it for a reason. And we're like, oh, Hell this is, yeah. let's see what's down here. It's like that yeah. rock in Japan that had the ghosts in yep. it. Yep. This is that fucking mummy juice. Mm-hmm. Everybody keeps yes. opening shit and drinking it, and you're not supposed to. This is why we yep. have pandemic, motherfuckers. Yeah. Ukraine wants you to stop opening things. Yes. Guys. Yeah. It's yeah. making Putin crazy. Or yes. The normal. So, uh, so not all. So some cenotes, I don't know how they determine, but some cenotes were to the people of this region were given like religious and spiritual significance. Mm-hmm. So they were thought of as like windows into the next world. Oh, okay. So they were basically like, world there's windows. three layer. There's three layers of of existence. Yep. There's heaven. Okay. Then there's earth where we live. Right. Nice. And then there's the underworld where all the dead go and where most of the gods are. Oh, okay. And so the cenotes were like windows into that underworld. So they Pipe. were like a way to be in touch with your the gods. gods. Yeah. You're going to see what they're doing, who they're fucking. Hey, what are you guys doing down it's there? It's like the original Stephen of Yeah. Hi. Yeah. But not, not all of them. Some of them they just used as drinking water. Mm. And some of them they... They killed people in. Oh, oh so good, good. I don't know how they decided. But the oh, wait, sacred. So sometimes the, you drink out of it. Sometimes you talk to baby Jesus. Sometimes you murder your friend and throw it in. They're different, but they're different. So it's not the same. Yeah, one. but they probably all hit the same aquifer. You fucking sometimes, dummies. Sometimes it's the same one. In oh. this case, it's not the same one. Oh. They have their they have their sacrifice pit. Drinking Steve today. Blech. Yep. Which is, this is it's a 2014 called the, Steve Sonote. <laughs> It's I think you're really going to like the tannins. Mouthful. The sacred cenote or the sacred well or most like when you roughly translate it from ancient Mayan, it's the well of sacrifice. Hell nice. yeah. Nice. Steve is a more cenote. buttery cenote. Less, less oaky, more buttery. Mmm. <laughs> We only make special king stew from the special cenote water. Um, <laughs> Yes. So, um, so there's this legend that uh, in the 13th century, which at this time this city has been taken over by other people. Like it's not the it's not the New York that it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a conqueror named Hunak Seal, um, like came, came and conquered this area, and he took over it, and he was like, "Oh, there's this well." And there's this legend that if you if you jumped into the cenote and you lived, you would be given the power of prophecy. Oh, so legend says that this guy conquered this city, jumped in this well, pulled himself out. We're gonna get into the architecture of this well. I do not know how he did that. Oh wow! But was instantly like, I've seen the future. The future is that I'm the a number one guy, and I'm gonna conquer the whole world. Let's go! And people were like about it. Of course, they're like, dude, you pulled I mean, yourself out of this whirlpool. He Let's went go. to the well. We know what happens yeah, down there. I mean, he he basically jumped in a well and came out Kanye. But and uh, like uh, crazy, and like people were about it. Oh boy! Started posting um, all of his texts with his ex wife on Instagram stalking her moving across the street from her yeah so that sort of even though the city like fell into disrepair and like not as popular this guy coming along at the 13th century like sort of rebranded all of that for the locals and they were like oh yeah that place is fucking cool okay i like it Um, he's got a good marketing sense Yes. So this cenote is, um, they say that this one, it was a special one. It was a God one, not a water one. So they thought that this was a direct line to the water God of Chalk, who is like one of their biggest gods because they're an agricultural society. Yeah. Mm 
Um, so they think they made sacrifices into this cenote. That's why it's called the well of sacrifice mm-hmm. whenever they were having a dry season. Right. So they would be like, hey, water god, we're real sorry. Have some shiny. Please give us water. Yeah. Um, so and they sometimes it was a valuable, valuable item. So like they found lots of really cool shit at the bottom of the cenote. OK. Sometimes those people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, we're if, gonna, if the shiny we're, rocks aren't good enough, I'm gonna throw you sweaty Steve. Yeah, we're gonna circle back to sweaty Steve and who and why he went in the cenote. Okay. Um, but the I think a big thing to take away from this is that it's it's a sacrifice. So you had to make a sacrifice and then give it to the well. So like lots of times it's like, oh, there's this really cool ornamental dagger that someone snapped in half, made a sacrifice, and then threw it into the well. Okay. That mm. makes sense. So a lot of the people who went into the well were, were already dead. Oh. <laughs> they were, were, were kind pieces. of snapped in half. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Metaphorically or or physically, or maybe actually literally, yes. yeah. Yes. So this cenote, it's about two hundred feet in diameter. Um, it's pretty. It's fairly circular, okay. like which is unusual for a cenote. Um, it has the sides of it are pretty much sheer cliff faces. Oh, they nice. go down about ninety feet oh. to the surface of this water. Double oh. nice. All right. Okay. I yeah. get and why then, people are like, "How did you climb out of here?" Yeah, and then we know now that it's it's uh, like sixty to ninety feet deep at, at of the water, mm-hmm. so it's very deep. Mm-hmm. So like if if you threw someone in there alive, presumably mm-hmm. they would drown. Yeah, I You'd mean, think, yeah. unless they're Spider Man and can flip shit out of their wrists. Very good at floating. Yeah, yeah. or they climbing. lied and made the whole thing up. <laughs> oh, fine. I refuse to believe that. I refuse but please continue to, with yeah, the story. Right? So this idea of human sacrifice comes primarily from this one text, which is the diary of this um, Franciscan monk who was down there in 1566. His name is Friar Diego de Landa. And he said in his diary, he said, into the well they have and then had the custom of throwing men alive as a sacrifice to the gods in times of drought. And they believed they did not die, though they never saw them again. They also threw a great many other things like precious stones and things which they prized. And so if the country possessed gold, it would have thrown it in the well to have made it a greater part of itself. Mm-hmm. So mm. they're basically like, we know that like giving shit to the cenote is not getting rid of it. It's like giving it back to us because we're giving it to our God. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. But this Throw is also anything primarily- you want down there. Your car, yeah, this is car, also where like motor oil, the fucking <laughs> Steve batteries, Steve. antifreeze. Yeah, yeah. You know? yum. Delicious. Best of luck. Um, but this is primarily where we get the like they threw people alive into yeah. this well was from this one dude, okay. and then everyone just like expanded on it. You know, well, yeah. Um, so most of what we know from this cenote is from this one dude named Edward Herbert Thompson. Oh, okay. You may say that sounds like a white man name. That sounds like a white man name. It isn't. Oh, cause he, cause he is a white man. Oh. So oh. he is. He. It's 1894. Oh. And he is the U.S. consul to the Yucatan. Sure. Which doesn't seem like a thing. I mean, maybe it was in 1894. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> so he's down there. He's a U.S. Con- consulate. You know. Mm-hmm. And he's down there and he goes, you know what? I've got some America money. You're having some hard times, Mexico. What if I just buy this like cute little house? Oh, and like all the land that surrounds it, including all the ruins of Chichen Itza. Whoa. And they were like, all right. So they sold it to this white dude who just moved him and his family into this house. And then like as a backyard had like acres of Mayan ruins to explore and do whatever the fuck he wanted to with it. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, what so he did a lot of upbringing. fun things. He did a lot of hiking and exploring. He also started digging up all the graves of the like sacred people that were buried there. Oh, buddy, don't That's oh. certainly not how you get ghosts. No, you know? not no. at all. Yep. And he, but his big thing was this cenote because like they thought all the mystical power of all of Chichen Itza came from this well because they're water sorcerers. That's what the whole city was about. Yeah. So they're like, it's all about this one fucking well. Um. So he says, I am going to dredge this well. Oh, boy. So he invents this thing to dredge because there's no way there's no invention to do this. Right. Yeah. It's like 1900, you know. Yeah. So he invents this thing. And it's called the orange peel, but it's basically like a big ass circle that opens at the bottom. Like if you were to peel an orange yeah. on one from one end and it goes down into the water and it does a gra- like a claw machine. Yeah. And it pulls shit up and out. 
Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. It's now classified as the bucket and pulley method. Oh, okay. Well, they wow. now yes. have a method. Well, so a bummer that it didn't get named after him after all of his ingenuity, but... I know. I know. Uh, the orange peel is kind of a cooler name than the bucket yeah, and pulley like method. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So he starts di- he starts doing this and he does it like dozens of times in the first like couple weeks that he has this machine and he's got all these workers doing it for him and stuff. And most of what he's pulling out is from the top of the water and like the first layer of the bottom. Yeah. And it's like trees, yep. bushes, some dirt, but mostly it's like refuse. Right. That's okay. like at the top. Um, he does get a couple artifacts out that makes him think like this is it, I gotta keep going. Like, about half the shit he pulls out in this first endeavor, which was in 1904, somehow they disappeared in the night. Like, his local workers seemed to have just, like, taken them and fucked off. Oh, wow. Mm, That'll teach you, white man. That's right. Um, So then in uh, 1909, he decides, okay, what I got to do is I got to dive down there and see what's fucking down there. Oh, okay. So he, like, learns how to dive. And then he hires these two Greek divers who've been doing a lot of diving in the Bahamas. So he's like, you'll definitely be a good cenote diver. Yeah, clearly. So they go down and they say, yeah, there's about six feet of blue pigment at the bottom of this. And like underneath that is like thicker mud where like bigger, heavier stuff is. Uh So like that's where the good shit is down there. But six feet of pigment. Six feet of blue pigment. Which is probably from religious ceremonies that they did over this that like over time just gathered because it was probably some sort of metallic that made it blue Mm -hmm. that sunk heavier to the bottom. Cobalt. Yes. Which is toxic. Tungsten. Um, So this is where they start to find objects made of gold, objects made of jade, objects made of copper. Mm -hmm. All the objects they were pulling out before then, there's a lot made of wood. And Mm. because of the like pH of the water and the coldness of the water, it preserves things fairly well. So even things that have been that are wooden and have been in water for hundreds of years are still fairly in good quality. Right. Okay. Um, but like when they get down in the bottom, they're like, this is where the good shit is. We got to get that orange peel bucket way down here in this fucking muck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's also where they start to find bodies. Bones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Here we go. They, like if they start to find lives. skulls. Yeah. And then that's how they start to qualify them. So he pulled up like 80 skulls Jesus. in these first endeavors. Um, so he pulls up a bunch of stuff and he like very quietly starts shipping it off to uh, one of his like big investors, um, benefactors, was a guy who worked for the Peabody Museum at Harvard. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these sh- things went immediately to the Peabody in Harvard and they're still there. Okay. Oh. And then and then um, Mexico was like, hey, what are you doing with everything you're pulling out of our ancient religious yeah, site? And he was like, yeah. nothing. It's no. my uh, I bought it anyway. Why? And they're like, yeah, you got to stop that. And he was like, yeah, it's so weird. I don't have anything here. I don't I know didn't where it all went. I not find anything. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so then Mexico starts to get grumpy at him. Gr- that he's like shipping so. all of their relics off. Yeah. Um, And like his biggest benefactor, some rich Britishy whitey dude mm-hmm. died. Uh, Mexico starts to go through one of its many revolutions. Yep. Um, and then because of that war, he loses a lot of his workers and the workers that stay are like, this is fucked. We're like raping our natural heritage and giving it to white people. Yeah. Um, I and agree. then, and then that, you remember that cute little house he bought to like mm-hmm. raise his family yeah, I remember in? that. Yeah. Someone burned it down. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So him and his family are safe, but he lost all his newts about oh. the excavations and uh, everything he'd explored. Mm-hmm. So he was like... Deuces Mexico, I'm out. So by yeah. 1923, he abandons the site. Right. Goes back to America. In 1926, Mexico sues him oh. to be like, yo, dude, you don't own this land. Oh, okay. So he comes, so he has representatives go to Mexican court. He wins. Wow. And Mexico's like, JK, it's yours. And reverse ownership back to his heirs. Oh, wow. He did buy it. He did buy yes, it. Sorry, they Mexico. They, yeah, pretty much. Um, so then his heirs were like, we don't want anything to fucking do with this. So then they sold it off to some dude who like turned it into a big tourism location. It changed hands a couple more times. It, now now the country owns it. It's good. a heritage site. Okay. It's a protected site. That's good. Yes. Um, but 
didn't that didn't stop white people from wanting to explore. Of course not. So in the 1960s, National Geographic got a burr up their butt and they were like, we got to see what's in this fucking cenote. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they say, we have a great idea. Here's the easiest way to get everything up from the bottom of the cenote. We got to drain it. Oh, geez. Oh, take so all they, the water. Yeah, there you go. Here's Jesus to take all the water Christ. out. So, so the locals were like, this is uh, eight, 1961. Yeah. So the locals are like, they can't do that. Chalk lives at the bottom of that cenote. That is his home. Yeah. And they, they like the, the like, you know, big construction crews are going through and a bunch of reporters were going through and all the locals would just say to them, Chalk will not be, a, Chalk will not allow himself to lose his home. He Whoa. just kept telling them like, that's not going to work. Wow. So they they put big tubes down and these big pumps and they I thought they would like save the water because there's stuff in the water. Of course no, not. they just spray in the fucking forest with it. It's just <sighs> rainy every day for six fucking months in this local forest. And at the end of three months, it's the exact same fucking water level. Oh, that's fucking amazing. Chalk will not allow you Chalk to take his home. Will not allow you to take his home. Yep. So the locals were like, you know, freedom birds get out. Yeah, please leave. Then they decided they were going to try again in 1967. They got better pumps. They got a better system. Sure. Okay. They do it all over again. They managed to lower, again, months. They managed to lower the cenote four feet. Jesus, Chuck. And they pretty much leave with their tail between their legs. But they did find more stuff because they this time they were like purifying the water as it came out. So they were like learning a lot more about the water as it came out. Uh-huh. But yeah, they wasted so much water, which is such a precious resource in yeah. that area. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking throw it in the in the forest. <sighs> bunch of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so they find a bunch more cool stuff. So this is where a lot of the relics that we have from come from the that first uh, Herbert guy yeah. who who, jo- who dove down there with his orange peel, and then this 1967 National Geographic, which was done in cooperation with Mexican officials and stuff. It was like on the up and up. Okay. Okay. Um. So all in all. They've been through a lot of it. Now, at this point, they've sent a lot of divers down. They've done all the shit. They don't know where the water source comes from. To this day, they've been like, if we could find where the natural water source comes from, we could temporarily plug it. We could actually drain the cenote nice. and like see what's down there. They don't know where it's coming from. Well, like everything they found that they're like, sorcery. oh, maybe it's coming from here. No, it's not. Oh, maybe yeah. it's coming from here. Water no, it's sorcery. not. Water sorcery. Hey, here's it's one. Magic. How about you just leave it the fuck alone, you weirdo? How, yeah. How about it's the fucking god of rain and water? Yeah. And that's where the water and comes from. And that's where it's coming from. Good old chalk. Leave it. Yeah. Good old chalk. Leave him alone. So all in all, they've pulled about 200 bodies Jeez. out of this well of sacrifice. All right. Um, so now we get into the human sacrifice aspect of it. Here because about half the bodies that they've pulled out are children. Oh. Oh. And they tend to be between the ages of four and six. Oh. Ooh. God's like squishy little babies. Yes. Now, they say that, uh, and, and of the other half that's left, about half of those are males, like young, virile, prime of their life mm-hmm. males. Okay. And then the other quarter is kind of like everyone else. Okay. Younger children, women, right. older men, things they like that. They had nobody left, so they're like, I guess we're just going to sacrifice this woman. This woman, yes. It, but like that was not the jam was not like throwing a virgin into the cenote right. alive. Yeah. That, was not, that was not what they were doing. Well, they were throwing so, virgins, four-year-olds. So what no, they said is... No, that's what you don't know. That these kids fucked. fucked. Oh, <laughs> these are, baby. These are fuck babies. Jesus oh Christ. God. Immediately regret. Yep. Um, yep. So they say that, <laughs> that of the people they pulled up, they primarily come from three major geographic regions. Okay. So one of them is from the western side of Honduras, okay. which they were at war with the area where Chichen Itza is located, oh, oh. that part of Mexico. Uh-huh. And also the central highlands of Mexico, also big like warrior factions against so these are enemies right that yeah that these were these were people who were brought back as slaves people yeah people who were brought back to sacrifice people who were who were kidnapped and brought here to kill off as versions of political power you know sure so those are the other and the other third the other like uh group is locals local Mm. people almost all of these local people are the children oh Mm. yeah so there's this 
thing where for a very long time people were like, yes, what would happen is they would have like a dry year and the higher ups of the city would be like, we need to make a sacrifice. And they'd go to some poor uh, like working family and take one of their children and throw them in the cenote and then they would get water. Or they would keep taking children and keep throwing them in the cenote until they had water. But now that we've been able to like do science right. on mm-hmm. these dead bodies, they did a lot. I read an article. It was way too sciencey for me. Yeah. It was about tooth enamel and the levels of chemicals in the teeth, whatever, whatever. Sure. Basically, almost all of these children were incredibly malnourished, oh. very unhealthy, like severe levels of anemia. They're not sure if any of these kids went into the cenote alive. Oh. Oh. So they think what may have happened is it's it's a large, you know, it's agriculturally based. So there's these families that have lots and lots of children. They're incredibly poor. They can't afford to feed them all. So like when a kid would die, they could maybe petition the city elders to be like, can I send my baby to heaven and put them in the cenote? Mm. So they think that maybe the children weren't sacrificed. Okay. Yeah. Definitely... Go ahead. No, it was like it was like a like an honor for tiny babies. It was like, hey, you didn't make it, but Chalk is going to be your bro, and you just toss him down there. Yeah, and yeah. And Chalk has they an think- army of of dead infants. Yeah, that rules. They think <laughs> they That's think some of some of the kids may have been incredibly sick, like on their way to dying. Mm-hmm. Then they needed a sacrifice because of the rain. They would I they assume humanely end the child's life and then give him to chalk because again it was to sacrifice and then give yeah so they weren't throwing live people in the cenote Mm -hmm. very often at all okay all right well Um, that's i mean that's comforting yeah (laughs) but those those males of like fighting age that were from the other areas the same cannot be said for them Uh, (laughs) oops okay okay so they went in uh in various stages of disarray oh most most of it seems to have done uh posthumously so uh so they they were like killed in battle yeah brought back maybe uh had giant holes drilled on the side of their heads so that they could like shove an iron rod through like laterally and then put them up like their version of a head on a pike okay sure because they used to do that and then afterwards they'd be like here you go chalk little snicky snack and they throw it in the snow Uh, tank yeah okay or they like uh feed feed this to your army of babies yeah they'd be uh like Flay off all of their skin, break open their rib cage, leave it exposed to the elements for a couple weeks, then throw it in the snow. Tank. Use their bones as spears, tiny babies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a good time for like those dudes, but yeah. the babies probably were not like horrifically murdered okay. in a, in a no, well of water. That's a they're, little they're more reassuring. Party with God. That's the shit. Yeah. Yeah. So there are. There's tons of ghost stories. There's like alien shit. There's uh, cryptid shit all over Chichen Itza. Amazing. But since I decided to focus on the magic water. Yes. There there are two basic versions of a ghost story to come out of the sacred well. Okay. And one of them is a beautiful young woman being fighting for her life as she's thrown into the cenote where she thrashes around and eventually goes under the water. Uh-huh. I don't know. And all of these are like white people tourist stories of course they're like this is what i saw when i was here Uh of which the locals are kind of like why were you here at dark it's a park you're supposed to leave why were you here when it was ghosty time and a lot of the local stories and they like handed down traditional ghost stories Mm -hmm. say that uh it's a a ample like healthy man of fighting age Uh who walks over to the edge of the cenote takes a moment And then throws himself in. Oh. And then as his body would hit the water, he disappears, makes no splash. Right. And like, that's the end of the ghost, you know? I I thought you were going to say a man of fighting age, ample bosoms. Yeah. I mean, you said ample (laughs) and my head went ample bosoms as well. Yeah. Huge titted warriors. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe huge titted monks because they think that these men were members of a religious order who, when they felt a sacrifice needed to be made would offer themselves up oh okay to go in so that people didn't have to steal village babies oh nice okay we haven't been to war lately we don't have anyone to flay and then throw in a couple weeks later we need some rain so like one of the monks would step up one of the religious men would step up all right they also think some of them are people who follow that dude from the 13th century who's like i threw myself in and i came out a prophet 
So these other dudes who were like, I'm going to do the same I'm thing. Gonna I'm going to beep. I'm going to be my generation's Kanye. <laughs> and nobody else ever came out. Oh, no. Do we know that Kanye didn't throw himself in the well and come back out? I don't think we should tell Kanye this story. No. No. Actually, I think or we should. Maybe we should. Like, I don't know. We should. I think Pete Davidson thinks we should tell Kanye this yeah. story. Kim as well. Yes. But so that is the like main ghost story that comes out of here is probably the it's not like babies who are sacrificed and their yeah. spirits can't be free. It's like these men who probably willingly chose to go in there either to for a sense of community or for personal power. <laughs> and those are the spirits that are stuck. <laughs> oh, boy. Tremendous. So that is the ghost story of the Will of Sacrifice. Yeah. Which is the most metal name from Chichen Itza. That's my haunted Mexico. I That's the shit. like it. All right, hang out a bit. I'll yell at you. We'll get even some more haunted Mexico. Stick around. Stay tuned. Listen with your ears. Hey everybody, it's your old pal, Engineer Bob, and when I'm not being king of the podcast, I'm being king of the podcast. Hey, go to iTunes and submit a review of the show. It'd be nice of you to do. Stop being a jerk. I don't like that. You don't like it. Be a good person. Also, go to patreon.com slash booze and bruise. We got audio episodes and video episodes and show sketches that I do because I'm great. And so are you. And great people support the show with their dollars. Also, social media websites. You got them. We got them. Come talk to us if you want. Or don't. But here they are. How about an Instagram? Booze and Bruce Podcast. What about a Twitter? Booze and Bruce. And a Facebook. Booze and Bruce. Well, that's it. Now back to the show. Mexico Part 2. We're coming for you. Parte 2. Si. Very good, Bob. Oh, man. I'm killing it over here. Espanol. What's oh, up? Oh, man. You're, you're, you're kicking its ass. Good El job. Rey de Podcast. What's up? Yeah. Oi. There Oy. is a disclaimer. Todos los días. No. Todos los días. Nunca los días. Cállate tu boca. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to, for my haunted Mexico, I'm going to tell you about the haunted Mexico City Metro. Yeah. Nothing oh like Oh, my God. Trains. You're going to win. Haunted trains. There's trains involved. You're done. Mm. I had dead babies. You have haunted trains. You win. I don't know. Army of Dead Babies is pretty high up there. It, 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 I have Bob noted it. I have noted that. it on my, I have on noted my list here. It I'm yet. Army of Dead Babies. So the Mexico City Metro or El Metro train. de la Ciudad de Mexico. <laughs> there we go. Uh, is a rapid transit system serving the metropolitan area of Mexico City. Fast oh, my train. God. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? It is the second largest metro system in North America. Nice. New York being number one. That would have been my guess. And serves around 1.655 billion, with a B, passengers every year. Damn. The 10th most in the world. Which, that's a lot of people. But what I find that is interesting is because um, Mexico City is the largest metropolitan. Like, it's the biggest city in North America. Yeah. And then New York, I think, is number two. But it's reversed on the train. So, like, more people drive in Mexico City than use the rapid transit. Not to say that people don't use it. Just not as... Uh, I think it's not as out there like my, uh, New York City. Hmm. I thought was interesting. I wonder if Mexico City has more room and slightly more sprawl I than do New think York it's does. A little, yeah, it's not on an island. Like Mexico yeah. City yeah. is not an island. So you can go out and do all that. I but I wonder if that's the only difference, yeah, you know? Maybe. Um, the necessity for public transportation was finally realized in 1967. Um, at that time, the roads, especially those in the downtown area of Mexico City where most people worked, um, where and 40% of the daily trips were concentrated. So of the day-to-day -day traffic, 40% of the people were in downtown. Yeah. Um, was so Tremendous. congested that when you accounted for all the cars on the road, plus the buses, because they did have at least a bus system at that point, yeah. um, the average speed was less than walking speed. <laughs> you oh, were shit. Better so you'd be better off walking. Than you were driving. Yeah. But that well, didn't stop people. I, I don't recommend walking in Mexico City as somebody who's done it. Uh, because when you go back home at the end of the day, you blow your nose, it's all black. Well, because of all the cars on the road. Yeah. It, so Mexico, City, yeah. Mexico City is nasty. It's a cool place. There's a lot of neat stuff. It is Dirty. polluted to shit. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, I would also there's imagine for a... There's people in this city. Yeah, exactly. For a large portion of the year, it's also probably too hot for it, outside walking. It yeah. is also that. Yeah. It but is also that. So, um, engineer Bernardo Quintana Quintana. He took it upon himself to do a number of studies. Fucking Quintana. That Fucking creep Quintana. Can roll, man. That creep can roll. Um, he took it upon himself to be like, there is a need for like a subway system. A need for speed? There is a need for <laughs> speed. 
<laughs> subway speed. That was not funny enough to warrant that response, Bob. It was very good. He loved it. <laughs> I so really liked it. He was like, I'm I'm going to be the, the engineer to do this. So he did a number of studies on traffic and created a draft plan for the metro system. He stood outside on a Tuesday at 9 a.m. and went, first Real study slow. completed, too many fucking cars. Yeah. Way too many fucking cars. These fuckers aren't going anywhere. But I think he yeah. studied like where most people were going, where like tr- there yeah, would be yeah, good yeah, spots. Yeah. Blah, science, blah. science, science. Yes. So Civil engineering. He pre- Yes, he presented his studies to authorities and the... Uh, study was made official on April 29th, 1967. Uh, the city broke ground in June of that year, and two years later, on September 4th, 1969. Nice. The orange nice. train made its first trip between Zaragoza and Insurgentes Station, which I Ooh. love that they have a station called Insurgent. Nice. Insurgent Station? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. All right. Mo- I'll get to that in a second. Um, over the years, there have been seven stages of development slash expansion of the uh, rapid system, with the last one occurring in 2015. Do you have any idea why they called it the Orange Line? So, yes, I'm actually going to talk to that. Um, oh, great. In Un Paquit. Nice. Okay. Um, okay. So, after the, and what was shocking was how well built the train system was, because as. <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't fuck this up, you guys. Well, no, no one could believe how good it the was. The seismic activity. In Mexico City in particular. In mm. 1985, they had an 8.1 earthquake. Oh, shit. That's a big one. That's yeah. a big one. That's a big boy. And while there was a Or ton, girl. Or girl. Or neither or both. Or okay. neither or both. <laughs> Earthquakes are just genderless. Yeah. They're gender fluid. Yeah. They really are. Quality um, NB. Yeah, so that happened. And um, they did such a good job. They built the subway system in a rectangular shape versus an arched shape. So when the shaking happened, none of the subways were destroyed. It happened in the middle of the morning. So people were using the subways. The subways weren't destroyed. They weren't damaged. All the damage took place above ground, like buildings falling oh. and thinking like that. Look at that. But those buildings are also rectangles. So yeah. Yeah. But I guess with the, you know, all buildings should be shaped as eggs. Ground. I have decreed it as the king of the podcast. No. Maybe that's it. Maybe underground squares, squares above, above ground, ground arches. Yeah, yes. That's it. So um, while the a number of the train lines were closed in the weeks following the earthquake, it was not because of damage to the trains. It was because of the cleanup efforts upstairs. Oh, wow. So good job, engineers building. Yeah, way to go. Building. Good job. Way to go. Built a good, train. good subway. Yes. So. Eat fresh. The, mm. <laughs> You want you want a free no, ride on the subway? Was, all you got to do is go down there with your big pants. It was how she said it. She was looking out her window and she's like, "Eat fresh," like she's talking to the fucking squirrels outside, not paying attention. In my defense, they're quail. Oh, quail! Sorry. So how dare you? Going back to the uh, system and the coloring scheme and all that. So each line offers one service only. Each line has a number or letter, depending on if it's a connecting station or not. But most of them are numbered. I think they have 14 total. Um, And a color assigned to it, which has never been changed. So it's not like an L.A. situation where the red line is now called the A line or some crap like that. Um, The names of each station are usually historical people, places, or things generally around the Mexican uh, Revolution. Hence, insurgentes. There we go. Um, yes. And so, for example, they have a station called Pino Suarez, who was Mexico's VP during the revolution. He, yeah, along with President Pino, Good old Maduro, Pino Suarez. Were assassinated. Good um, old suave penis. Good Swa- old that is the suavest penis. penis. So smooth. Yeah. Silky smooth. But Moisturize yeah. it daily oh my by was, jacking it. He was killed along with the president at the time in the nineteen teens. <laughs> he was killed suavely. Killed suavely. Not caught with his pants down, dick in hand, dick in hand, dick in hand. That's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. I'm going on. I'm going on. Happy. Uh, yes. Oh. They also have the station Hospital 20 de Noviembre, which is Hospital 20th of November, uh, which is named for the date that Francisco Madero, who was the president, murdered alongside with Mr. Suarez, called for rebellion against the Porfirio Diaz government. There you go. It's all a lot of revolution shit. Quality revolution. Okay. Shit. You're getting, you're getting um, quality. Yes. Mexico so history on this here podcast. The station also has a cute little symbol attached to it. And the reason behind all this, the 
the color system and then also the cute little icon is because when the station was built in 1969, nice. um, 38% of Mexicans were illiterate. I wondered, I was like, are, do they use colors for people who don't speak the language or for people who don't read? Yeah. And the same thing with the Beautiful. symbol. So you can tell where you're going based on if you forget the color for some reason, you can look at the symbol. You're, you're, like, you're like, OK, I don't remember if it was blue or purple, but I had like an owl. You're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that you looks can, more oh, like an right. owl. You take owl the puppy dog. Yep. You know, um, puppy dog to rectangle. Yeah, and, and only at that time, 5.6% of people over the age of six had completed more than six years of school. Nice. They weren't the strongest of readers in Mexico in the 1960s. I'm okay, sure I, to be fair, it would be weird if a seven-year-old had completed six years of school. True. Also correct. That is also true. I'm also just saying, true. over six, six years, that feels like a weird classification. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, because you have to assume they're like over six, that's when you enter school. Obviously, four-year-olds don't know how to read because they're babies. No. But like, but like an eight-year-old could have two years of school True. but hasn't completed over six they should have started at 11 seems that's like the saying. studies yeah. the, the, that's the, all I'm saying. the the yeah. study conductors had not passed a few years of, <laughs> of math school. class there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's why we have the color and the cute little icons. yeah that's Love great it. that they're trying to be accessible to everyone yes. i'm picking apart their metrics and whatever but like right. obviously that was a problem and they addressed it yes exactly um, over the years. In a way that, that uh, America has not. No, we're just like no. words. We're just going to use words. Don't know how to read? You're an idiot. Fuck yeah. you. Or Pull yourself like, up by your you, bootstraps. If you think about, if you were, you did not speak English, did not yeah. understand like the Greek alphabet that we use mm -hmm. uh, and tried to get on the New York subway system. Good luck. Because the Green Line branches out into like four different things. Yeah. Like the local versus express. How do you know if you're going north or south? Because they're all denoted by names. Yep. Like. You'd be fucked. Yes. Downtown, uptown, fucking Canarsie. You don't know what that is. Yeah. Mexico City's Metro, if you look at it like a map, it's very easy to navigate. It's That's very great. easy to navigate. Um, because all lines just go one direction. You know what I mean? So it's not like it branches like, you know, yeah. there's no I express. Feel like it's just everything is the same. I feel like anytime I travel internationally, I'm always like, oh, that's a great city. Their metro is amazing. Or like their metro is hard to understand. Yeah. Fucking Paris with your goddamn regions. I don't understand what ticket to buy. No. Oh no. my God. What are they called? Uh, uh, Aris. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So, over the years, um, <laughs> they're fucking neighborhoods. Over the years, there have been several accidents on the metro. Um, the, Accidentes. Not yes. earthquakes, though. Not earthquakes. Not no, earthquakes. Those, 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 those. Actual Accidentes. accidents. So, the worst to date um, happened in 1975 when two trains uh, crashed at the. Both alike in dignity. Yes. Uh, crashed at the <laughs> Viaducto station, the viaduct station. Uh, the first train was stopped and had been picking up passengers when the other train didn't stop in time and crashed Oh, into we bumper it. boated them. Yeah. And about That's 40 no people died and uh, 120 were hurt. Bumper boats are fun, but not when they're trains. And Bumper not boats are fun, not when 40 people die. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. That Yes. There's a little bit of a conspiracy. <laughs> that, yes. 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 That's what I was yes. saying. Um, there's a little bit of a conspiracy about that, maybe where um, the engineers wanted to, um, they were trying to get automatic pilot basically for that, and they did it on purpose, but they weren't, they didn't mean to kill 40 people, but they were trying to be like, this is why we need autopilot, because if an accident like this could happen, we could crash That's into right. each yeah, other. Because it's not, because if they built it in 69, it was like 75, right? Mm -hmm. It was not that long into the, its service history. Yeah, exactly. So a little bit, a little bit of conspiracy there, but yeah. Uh, the most recent accident happened just last year in March of 2021 when a support beam that was um, supporting the train's overpass uh, on line 12 collapsed and people oh no. just fell to the ground and it killed 26 people. Masho. Mm. And, and of course, this happened in a very poor part of Mexico City. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of. Mexico, Mexico that. needs they're Bernie. They're saying like they're ignoring the poor people, essentially. They yeah. don't yeah. miss that area. Mexico, Mexico needs Bernie Sanders. We gotta re repair our crumbling infrastructure. Yes. That's something he says a lot. I, I, sure. I mean, we when we're done with him, they can have him. We yeah. haven't done our Bernie Sanders stuff yeah. yet here. So yeah. we need yeah. to focus on us first. Bernie Suarez. We... <laughs> That's what they need. Oh, my God. Bernard Suarez. Bernard Suarez. <laughs> Bernardo Suarez. Bernardo Suarez. <laughs> so to no i'm just picturing the meme of bernie sanders but like with a sombrero oh my God. like a very cultural appropriate sombrero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 
Oh my God. Ugh. Anyway, so to go along with the Metro's, you know, over billion passengers, there's a couple ghosts sprinkled in on the Metro as well. Oh, how many of them are those smooshed 40 people from the bumper trains? Um, so they they do think there might be some uh, connected oh. to that. Um, I will get to that in a minute. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, I no, jumped ahead. You skipped ahead, but first up is the ghost of the very friendly, helpful subway inspector at the Pino Suarez station. Oh, he's Inspector Penis. Yes. <laughs> so in 1989, a subway worker... He inspects worker, your gadget. Ow. <laughs> In 1989, subway worker Victor Castilla <laughs> no. Platanov uh, died after being hit by a train in one of the tunnels. Uh, he was inspecting the tracks and the protocol had workers um, like walk in, in the opposite direction of the trains. Obviously, you can see them and hear them better if it's coming at you. Yeah, he, yeah. How you're supposed to walk facing traffic. Yes, yeah. yes. So he broke protocol and he was actually walking with traffic. He oh, did and not, the train snuck up on him. And the train just snuck <laughs> up on him and smooshed him. Assassin. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then um, since then, other living subway workers um, at the end of the night have found a man walking the tunnels after closing hours. They question him. He gives very, you know, work responsible answers. Yeah, I'm just doing this. I'm blah, blah, blah. Shows him his work ID. Um, and oh, then no. Like, and it says Inspector Smush. Inspector. Inspector Smush. Penis. Yeah. Inspector Smushid. And they let him go. They're like, oh, oh, he must be like a new guy or something that we don't know about. So he gives very reasonable answers and he shows the ID. So he's like, oh, OK, yeah, you can go. They talk about it to their um, like the head guy, their boss. And he goes, is it this guy? And they show a picture of Mr. Um, Platonov and they go, yeah, that's him. He goes, yeah, he died in 1989. He did. He did. You just <laughs> you just questioned a, a ghost. A ghost. Yes. But, you know. There you go. That's right. So he's just still doing his job. He loved yeah. trains, man. He loved, loved to inspect tunnels. Loved. He was the tunnel inspector. People tunnel have also had move. experience with a uh, ghost train following the Ooh. 1975 accident. So about three o'clock in the morning, people will sometimes see an empty train between the Socolo and Allende stations. And it never stops. But it simply passes by before disappearing. And people, it's the same line that the viaduct accident happened. So they think it is one of the, like, it's a ghost train related to the people who died. Do they know if it's the train that got smooshed or the train that did the smooshing? They don't know. They just see an empty train. And sometimes if if you happen to fall asleep, there's another story, and you're on this line and you fall asleep at the end of it, you'll wake up and you're on this ghost train track. So you'll oh, see like shit. random underwater lakes. You'll see like a bunch of crazy like, you know, scenery outside of you, like not normal subway things. And then you'll just like end up at the station where you're at and you'll be back in the normal. It's almost like a time slip kind of thing. And you'll be Ooh, back. Creepy. I like how it happens at like three in the morning. Like did the bump happen in the middle of the night? Mm-mm. But that's, that's just the witching, the witching hour. hour. This is the witching hour. So that's that's what that is. Um, but the most well-known ghost story actually takes place above ground. It is oh, okay. metro adjacent. All right. Um, I'll allow it. Yeah. The Tuscania is the station closest to the city's bus terminal. So if you are getting to your connecting you bus. You got to transfer. You yeah. got to transfer at Tuscania. Um, however, the metro station and the bus terminal are not connected. So in LA, they've kind of got the little underground. You walk underground and then it pops yeah. you up at your the bus terminal. In Mexico City, they don't have that. So you do have to walk a bit of a ways. Um, and you have to walk through kind of like this maze of vendor shops, people selling things, shoe shiner people. Oh, they make you exit through the gift shop. They do. And then there's a mm-hmm. bunch of like trains being repaired and stuff. So it's easy to get lost. Um, and in the seven, or sorry, the eighties and the nineties, uh, local, uh, criminal, the local criminal element. Oh yeah. That seems like a great place to prey on tourists. Exactly. So they would hide out waiting for solo, uh, travelers or people who are very clearly lost before they'll pop out and they'll rob you. Sometimes they'll murder you. Um, oh, that's I was thinking like pickpockety. No, not like mugging. No, slash no straight murder. up murder. That's worse. Straight up mugging. That's worse. Yeah, it would happen at nighttime. So they would like hide in the shadows and then jump out, mug you, rob you, um, beat you up, sometimes kill you. I don't want any of those things to happen to me. No. no. So thankfully, um, many people like solitary travelers have 
um, been saved by an old man. If they, he notices, hey, there's, there'll be an old man. It's Bernardo Suarez. Bernardo oh Suarez. Oh, my God. Will approach them and suggest we walk together. Um, so you do. You walk with the man. You have this nice conversation. And you are walking from the bus. Uh, sorry. From the train to the bus station. And um, when you get to this, you know, place, though, your friend will say, oh, no, no, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go over here. But then he'll wander into a parking lot and then he'll disappear. Um, And it's believed that this is the ghost of an old man who was murdered. And he's just protecting you. So you don't get murdered. So you don't get murdered. He is a helpful That's so nice. Bernie Sanders would do that. Yeah, he totally would. Bernardo Suarez. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Bernardo Suarez end. would definitely would definitely take a little walkie with you, tell you some story you probably can't really follow. No. And ask you for money and then deliver you safely to your bus. Yeah. And then he'll give you a pair of mittens. Yes. Yes. And he'll talk to you about universal health care. Yeah. He'll talk your ear off about universal health care. He really will. Um, but the story I'm going to actually end on is the coolest story. And it's a tale of a possible vampire sighting. What? Oh, vampiro. Das vampiro. Das uh, vampiro. So the end of the line seven, uh, end of line seven is in the Barranca del Muerto, which means gully of the dead. And That's why I was like something of dead. Yeah. And it's named that way because that is where soldiers, it is a mass grave location nearby, mass grave of soldiers who died during the Mexican Revolution. Can you, why oh. did they choose to name... It's Can you imagine being like, this is the neighborhood metal. I live in? Oh, I live in the Dead Valley neighborhood. I guess it's like Death Valley. Ass and yeah. you got to remember that revolution and also heavy fucking metal. They motherfucker. do. They that also have stations rules. named after cemeteries. So you just have pantheons like just all over. Yeah. So it's like pantaloons. What's up? Yep. Yeah. Dead pants. Hey, are you dead? Get in your pants. But I love it. You're they, dead? They just Give me your pants. It. I'm Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so anyway, um, one guy so he fell asleep on the train and when he woke up he found himself alone at the end of the line he gets out of the train and starts like it kind of ended and he's in the middle of the track so he's not like at a station himself so he has to get off the train walk down the tracks and as he's walking down the tracks he sees two dudes fighting there's a taller man and a shorter man and the taller guy is clearly overpowering the shorter man and it looks like he's going to kill him so oh no the sleepy guy runs down the tracks and he's going to try to break up a fight but when he gets closer, he sees the taller man leaning over, biting the neck oh. of the shorter man. Blood gooshing everywhere. So the guy's like, I am not going to break up this fight. Um, nope. I want he, no part of this. And he turns and runs. He goes to the local police station and he's like, there's a vampire. There's a vampire. They go <laughs> back. There was no sign of anybody that was in. No blood. There was no blood. There was nothing in this, the tunnel. So that oh, meant because no the vampire stayed and no they licked it all up. Yummy, yum. He licked it. He licked the ground. Gross. Yeah. Uh, yum, and that, yum, my yum, friends, yum, yum, yum. is the story of the Mexico City Metro. Muy bien. That's that great. I it's it. got vampires. It's got friendly ghosts. It's got ghost trains. It got a lot. It, yeah. it does. It has a and lot. One thing it does not have is this beer because this is a Utah beer and not a Mexico beer. True. It will not have that beer. So again, this is Zolupes, which is the beer company. Mm -hmm. And it's called Zolupes Golden Ale. It is a Mexican-style craft beer with mango, lemon peel, and natural flavors. Mm. The little description on the back, which put every uh, every Spanish word in italics, was a choice (laughs) that they made. So you know that it's not English. So it's like in Mexico... Agua frescas. Oh, and then parenthetical fresh fruit beverages. <laughs> so it's like it's very written for white people of Utah. Uh-huh. They know their audience. Yep. But it seems to be the story of a Mexican family who at some point immigrated to Utah, set up a brewery, and are brewing beers that are inspired by their Mexican cultural heritage. Um, and it's real good. And they tried to uh, give them the that fruity feel. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I think they achieved it. Good so job. this is a golden. It is Utah beer. So it's 4.5. Right. So it's not like hitting like a golden normally. Oh, right. Because goldens are um, typically sevens. Sevens yeah, to no, eight. Like, yeah. No, nope, 4.5. Because we can't go over five in Utah. So nope. um, it smells like a mango agua fresca. It really does. Wow. Sweet. Uh, it tastes like it's it hits a little bitter because it smells so sweet, but it's delightful. It's very easy drinking, like perfect summer day by the pool beer. It's great. It's or, like fruity. It's fresh. 
You can stare Delightful. at quails out your window. I can and stare say, at all these motherfucking quails. And talk about Subway. Eat fresh. Mm, drink fresh. Drink this is a good beer. I'm pleased with my Costco purchase of this good beer. Job. This was a good call. This good, was a good call. Good job. Wait. Well, hey, this is the part of the show where your old pal, Bob, king of the podcast, gets to pick a winner. Hey, guess what I love? I love El Vampiro. That guy's out here drinking that sangre, and everybody likes that. You know what else I love? I love a, a good 2014 buttery Steve Cenote. Uh, you can't get better for my money. Uh, Steve you, you is know so what buttery. Else I love? El Tren Fantasmo. This, this story had everything. Yeah, ghost trains and all that stuff. You know what else I love? Chuck's Army of Dead Infants. Because you know what? They got them bones. They're going to stab you right in your knees. But there's one they're thing I love more drunk than anything. On, they're it's drunk on Bernard Steve. Suarez. Melissa <laughs> wins. <laughs> Good job, Bernardo Suarez for the win. Bernardo Suarez. <laughs> I had the, uh, Bob King of the podcast has decreed Melissa the winner. There Thank we go. Yep. That feels right. That feels right. Yeah. I. It's it's about time Bernardo Suarez got a win. Yeah. So. It's been handed a lot of dubs. Oh, uh, my God. But the, honestly, else. the biggest winners are you. Yes. Gentle you, listeners. You got to listen to us yell at each other for. Yeah, because yeah. we're amazing. We're so great. You should come back next week. Yeah. And there will be booze. And there'll be booze. And until then. Cheers. cheers. Oh, that's loud. That was real loud. <laughs>